The first Grammy for video game music has been awarded, and it's great that the music industry is finally recognizing games. Plus, major console manufacturers are pulling out of E3. Tonight is February 5th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Aki Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That is right. Incoming hogwash. Are we passing the Turing test? Hopefully we will. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... A, uh, a, a new edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this Sunday night, uh, when you could be watching an award show, I guess, uh, thank you so much. Welcome. We do tape the show live almost each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash VOG Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. And... Um, I'll be trying to reading, uh, being trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Uh, but uh, this is a podcast, and I understand that you probably can't be here. Uh, you might not be able to be here on Sunday nights for whatever reasons, probably very good reasons, family time, stuff like that. Uh, so uh, go join our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is where you will find updates uh, about uh, when we are, when podcasts are uploaded and when we are live. And you can also chat about previous episodes and maybe even uh, get... Uh, Maybe even uh, have a topic that you suggest be talked about here on the air, uh, except next week. We are not going to be here next week. Uh, at least I'm not going to be here um, because there is a major television event that people have parties around. Uh, and uh, it's the one time a year uh, I get to see certain people. Uh, not because we, that, it's just, that's the way it happens. Uh, so I like to spend that evening with them and it's on a Sunday night. Uh, don't really care about the actual game, uh, that's going on. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, there, there's some former college players that I care about on, on the team. So, uh, but, but that's about it. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, hang out with friends, eat, eat food, drink, uh, and watch the commercials that are already online. So it's not really to see the commercials because I can see them now. But I'm not going to be here. But um, Orange Lounge Radio will still be here next week. They uh, So you will still have content here on the Vogner or Twitch channel. If you don't care about the sports, uh, you, can, uh, you, you can still be here, and then I will see you in two weeks. So the main thing I'm going to talk about, no, it's not going to be the main thing I'm going to talk about. Uh, is uh, I-, I wanted to point out that uh, there there is a uh, they announced I think right after I went off the air maybe the next morning that there was going to be a demo for a game that I have I- I've been very much looking forward to my favorite 3ds game ever was a, a rhythm game from Square Enix called Theatrhythm and it was actually Theatrhythm uh, Curtain Call was the actual uh, game that that was my favorite that became my favorite it was the sequel to the original theatrhythm uh, and the sequel was better in every way and it's coming out for switch and PlayStation 4 which is also playable on PlayStation 5 um, and the demo came out they came out with a demo it comes out on the 16th now I had already I am the problem I I have already pre-ordered it 
Uh, I have already now. Nintendo doesn't take your money. I did. I am getting on Switch. Uh, Nintendo does not actually take your money until seven days beforehand. Uh, so they don't actually have my free money yet. So a lot of people are like, "Why are you giving them free money?" Blah blah blah. No, no, no. We just have an agreement that they're going to take my money seven days early. Uh, and you get some profit cards, some some like in-game stuff that's really inconsequential. But I knew I'm going to want all the DLC, so I went ahead and I even paid the $100. So I I bought a $100 video game. I am the problem. Uh, you can hate me all you want. I, yeah, I see. I hear. I hear you. I am the problem. I should not be doing this. $100 for a sequel to a 3DS game. I'm. I hi. I'm. I'm the problem. It's me. Um, but the demo came out. Which which is great and terrible at the same time, because I played the demo both on Switch and on PS4, uh, and it's great because they, they offer you like 36 songs in this thing. Uh, but it sucks because you can only, your uh, Rhythmia, which is your in-game credit system, your in-game points, caps at 2,000, which is like four or five songs in if you're really good at the game. Uh, and then you can't do it, you can't, you can't advance that anymore, but you can still play. But now you're leaving these points on the table, and that's actually how you get other cards. You get other um, aspects of the game. You get more equipment, items, because there's a whole metagame underneath uh, the rhythm, the, the music game aspect of, you know, your character's on a party, and they have spells, and you're trying, as you're going through the song, you're trying to defeat enemies and get chests and, and, and stuff like that, and you're actually making a party that has specific uh, spells that work against the enemy that you're going up against. And they'll even talk about, like, this is what this enemy's weak to. So you don't want, like, if they're weak to, uh, if they're strong against fire, you don't want to have a character in your party that has fire, or you don't want the summon to be Ifrit. Um, and, but in order to get that, you have to get more Rhythmia. So they cap it really quickly. And so if you keep playing, you're just leaving points on the table. And, um, and so... Uh, I, I played it and I loved it and I'm like, I just want to play it more. And now, I, but I'm like, but I got to wait till the 16th. Uh, I, I got to wait uh, because I don't want to waste time playing songs that don't advance my progress. Um, But, but I do like what they did with it. Um, So it's basically, it's all buttons now. And the, I didn't know how much I would like it because the 3DS version, you actually use the stylus and then you would use the thumbstick. So you would actually tap on the screen and then use the thumbstick for the up, down, left, right. And so this one, uh, it's all button presses, and they've kind of made it to work with the button presses. And, and I'm going to get used to it. Uh, it was a little jarring at first, a little bit, especially the the uh, the the. Um, and I can't remember what they actually call it because the battle stages are the ones that have the four lines. But then there's the travel stage, and I forget what they actually call it in the game. That's how much I love the game. I forgot the terminology because I'm like, it's that stage. It's the green one. Um. It took a while to get used to how they wanted you to follow uh, the the going up and going down the trombone champ style of gameplay, um, and uh, but I'm going to get used to it. I'm I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get used to it. D5T asks, "How are you supposed to play Sanderkin without crying? Seems like a mean game." Well, I mean, you know, that's what the the sound effects are for to stop you from crying. And Mike Dev says, I hate the videos that pl uh, they play to promote the game. It's like, game, I'm already buying the premium version. Let me skip this and play. Uh, you only have to watch it the first time, and then you can skip it the other times. But yes, it loops through like the every th like every two or three songs. It's like, oh, and here's what you can get. And here's, you know, here's what the full game has. I'm like, yes, I, I have it. 
Um, but yeah, you don't have to see that video multiple times. It's just the first time. Uh, and your progress does carry over. Now, one thing I will say is that if you're like, I know I'm going to buy the game. I don't need uh, to, to, to play the demo. I will tell you that there is a reason you might want to play the demo. Uh, and you've already missed the first one. And uh, so, unfortunately, you, you've missed the first one of these. But on certain days in the game, you actually get items based on what the special day is. So on the day the demo came out, which was February 1st, it was a special day. And it was because it was the day the Dissidia uh, Final Fantasy Opera Amina released. It was February 1st, 2017. And because of that, because that game launched in Japan on that day, you received a silver growth egg. Uh, so you had to play the demo and go back to the main menu after going through some of the tutorial stuff. And then this unlocked. And it even says at the bottom right-hand corner, the next special day is February 7th. So even though the game is not out yet, you can get items now uh, that will help your, uh, you know, raise your, uh, the experience of your characters or do other things. Uh, so you can uh, so you can properly play the RPG element more. Um, so the next special day is going to be the 7th. It's February 7th. So you want to at least log into the demo on that day to get that item. If you, if you don't play any songs, I hope you I hope you don't have to play a song to unlock it. I hope it just shows up on the main menu. Uh, but uh, but so that's a reason you're going to want to get the demo if you really want to be hardcore and get these items and hang on to them for when the full game releases on the 16th. Mike Dev asks, I wonder if you can change the date to get it. You might be able to. Um because I mean, there, this is this game is on the Switch, and uh, I mean it's on the PS4 as well, but it's on the Switch, which means that I would hope, this is me hoping, this is me hoping, that they would understand that a lot of people play their Switch when they're out and about, and the Switch is not a 3G, 4G, 5G system, so they're probably not going to be on Wi-Fi. The the Switch games need to be playable when they're single player games, they need to be playable without connecting to the internet. So it would kind of suck if you can only get these items, if you were connected to the internet. And honestly, a silver growth egg in this case is not that special of an item. It's not, it's just, you get one from it. It's not like you're going to be able to, uh, really advance too much. It's just, it's a little something and it's a little thing that pops up on the screen. So I'm hoping that it's built into the game and it's not something that they check a server to make sure that it's the actual right day. Um, but you never know. Uh, Dark Tetsuya says, I did play a bit of the 3DS version on my wife's system. And from what I played of the demo, it seems like it's about the same as I remember. So glad I have it pre-ordered and I can't wait to pick it up again. Yeah, no, it, it brought back a lot of the same vibes. They changed up a little bit of the stuff. The questing stuff is a little different. Uh, what you had in the 3DS version, uh, the, the main thing was you could get these quests, short, middle, long quests, and you would go through there and you would be able to get um, uh, drops, these crystal drops. And you would use those to unlock characters. If you really wanted Sephiroth, you had to get so many red crystals. And so you would find these quests from uh from either your own questing or over 3ds street pass that had these drops uh that the drop you wanted and then you would go do that quest to try to hope that the boss would drop that and and that was kind of some of the the grinding that you would find uh playing theater them then and what they're doing now is that they have quests based on each game and that's how you unlock the songs and then there is a multiplayer system where you can share your card and you can put like your summon that you found. And I was, I, I'm kind of pissed because my PlayStation four version got a better summon than my switch version did, uh, where, uh, I actually get like 
an added additional like 30% XP if I have that summon equipped uh, for my PlayStation characters and I don't have that. Uh, I actually, it's like more chests drop and chests don't drop in the demo. So that, that summons useless for me on switch. But anyway, it's going to be, I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes. Uh, I will probably play the multiplayer once or twice, but it's going to frustrate the hell out of me. Uh, because that's when like they change up what happens to your screen. And I hate that. I just, I just want to make music. Um, so, uh, it comes out on the 16th. Uh, there is a demo out right now. It's very. It's got 36 songs from like six different games, so you can try it out uh, and, and see a lot of what it has to offer. But then if you actually do want to play it, you're going to want to stop playing the demo and not play all 36 songs so you can get credit for all of them instead of just like the first five or six. So uh, I love Theatrhythm. Uh, for those on the podcast feed, you probably can't, you, you obviously can't see what's on my table here, but I have the two 3DS games that came out and I found that I bought the collector's edition of Curtain Call, which actually came with a CD. You remember CDs? Oh, so CDs were this, these like discs, they were, they were kind of small and they had music on them and that was the way that you listen. Anyway, uh, I actually found a CD that had like five songs from Theater Rhythm Curtain Call, some of the remixes and stuff. So, um, so that uh, so I, I'm a huge fan of this series, and uh, I am looking forward to it being my new favorite Switch game. Uh, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that it, uh, other people get to enjoy it as well. Uh, Red Entertainment says uh, CDs were like laser discs but smaller, and Podgolder says what no vinyl. Uh, this came out the 3DS game came out before the vinyl resurgence, so. Uh, and DJ Ramas says, I have the collector's edition of both. The first game comes with a cool stylus. I actually do believe I had the collector's edition of that too, because I have that stylus. So, uh, yeah, Theatrhythm's the game that, um, uh, that, that I, I will absolutely drop the highest amount of money on, uh, which makes me the problem. And that's why I really wanted a Theatrhythm Kingdom Hearts. And then, uh, the, the Kingdom, they were like, uh, no, we don't want to do Theatrhythm. We want to do our own Kingdom Heartsy thing. And it sucked. Um, so... I didn't like that one, and I did not drop any money on Melody of Memories or whatever it was called. So uh, this is tangentially, uh, th this next thing I'm going to talk about is tangentially related to games. Uh, it, it is kind of, it's a little more of a housekeeping type thing, but uh, the, the Twitter API, uh, it, the free Twitter API that has existed for over a decade, uh, is being shut down on uh, February 9th. And they're moving to a paid model of about, I think, $100 a month if you want to have use of the Twitter API or thousands of dollars a month if you're using it high usage. Um, so what this means essentially, uh, just in the housekeeping note, is that uh, we actually had a, we used the API to post on Twitter when we went live, when new podcasts went up. So if you use that to determine, uh, to, to learn when we were live or when a podcast went up across any of our networks, any of our channels went live. Uh, it's going away on the 9th because um, we don't get enough out of it to pay $100 a month for that. So, uh, and it, it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, say how how great it is, how terrible it is or anything. They, they need to get, they need, they need to make money. We were advertising on the service and weren't paying them a dime for it. And now they want us to pay them and we're just not going to advertise there. Uh, we can still... I, we could still manually update that account. Like, the account's not going to go away, but uh, the automatic uh, thing that we just fire and forget, it's going away. Uh, if you do want to have something like that that notifies you on our Discord server, we actually have what's called an announcement channel. 
uh, and that is essentially the same thing we posted on Twitter. Uh, that is going to be the only place right now where you will be able to get those updates. Uh, we can, I considered doing a Mastodon bot, uh, but, um, Mastodon's a little bit different. It's, you have to think about social media differently on Mastodon than you do everywhere else. And so it wouldn't really be welcome. Uh, we would wind up uh, finding ourselves getting blocked by certain feder- uh, federated servers uh, because we would be advertising. We'd be spamming and advertising, and, and they don't want that. So uh, we're probably just going to stick to the Discord stuff for right now. Where um, this uh, this might affect some games is that there are games that had uh, Twitter API integrations, uh, usually posting to Twitter, like sharing your screenshots to Twitter, uh, those may also break on the ninth. Um, it really depends on who, uh, who, w- what size company created them, and if they were already paying Twitter. High usage API users already p- paid Twitter to use the API, so there is a chance like you'll still be able to share screenshots from your Switch or your PlayStation or your Xbox. There is a chance that they were already paying a thousand dollars a month or something like that for access to the API because that always existed. That's existed for a decade. If they weren't, if they were just using the free API, then those services are also going to shut down. Um, and, and I would not expect an indie game developer to pay a hundred dollars a month just so people could share data from them to, to Twitter. Uh, so just be, be mindful of that, that things may start not working on the ninth as they shut down the free access to the API. And I, I, like I said, I don't know if Microsoft and Sony and my, uh, Nintendo were paying for access for the API or if this is going to shut them off as well. Um, but so it's just, that's just something to know. So if you want to join the discord for the updates on what we're doing, uh, vognetwork.com slash discord. And, uh, we may even tweak the message that gets posted in that announcements channel, or you can mute the announcements channel if you don't want to see it one or the other. Uh, and, uh, we, we may even tweak what's in there because now we're not going to be stuck with the 280 character limit of, of, uh, what Twitter made us do. So, uh, I want to talk about this a little bit. This stems from, uh, some conversations I had at, uh, a meetup that I went to this week. So I went to the, uh, XR Atlanta meetup. Now XR stands for extended reality. That's what, a lot of people that are in the uh, the VR AR space is using to talk about everything. Since Microsoft took mixed reality, uh, XR is extended reality, and so that's your virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, whatever reality you want to think about. And I went there. It's been a, it's been a couple of years since I've seen them. It was pre twenty nineteen was the last time I saw all those people, so it was a lot like a reunion. But it was really interesting because when you get around people that are in that space, they are all in on the future technologies. They are all in on now it's the metaverse. And it was so funny. I asked people, so what is the metaverse? They can't tell you. That's the best part. It's, it's, it's marketing buzzword because they were describing the metaverse. And I'm like, so uh, like world of Warcraft and they couldn't refute me. They were like, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, and, and then they would go through and like, Oh, you could do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so zoom. And they couldn't refute me. Like they were describing, and I'm like, but Zoom chat, that is exactly what you're talking about. Because to them, the metaverse is not necessarily inside a headset. It's just the, the way that we use the internet. To, and I'm like, yeah, it's the metaverse. It's kind of like when somebody says cloud servers and cloud computing, the cloud is just someone else's computer. There's nothing special about it. It's just somebody else's computer. It's now, instead of hosting the website in your home, 
where you maintain the server. Now you're letting someone else maintain the server. It's no different. And the metaverse is a lot of the same thing because nobody can identify it yet. Nobody can define it yet, which doesn't mean it's never going to be defined. It's just not definable now. But on top of that, a lot of the people that are going into this have really embraced uh, the GPT-3 AI. So these are the like your chat GPT. You've probably heard of open AI uh, with chat GPT that, that, that does stuff. Or that maybe if you're on Discord, you see people using the mid-journey API bot to, to make graphics. And there are people there that have kind of pivoted their business just a little bit. They're still doing XR stuff. But they're pivoting now to basically making the AI, the chat GPT, do things for other companies. This is happening really quickly. And we've already seen AI being used in game development a little bit. Persona 3 Portable, they actually used AI to upscale all of the graphics that were in the portable the portable version up to 4K, so it can run in 4K. Uh, so we've already seen that, and it, it's it's got a ways to go. You still need to kind of babysit a little bit. But what they're banking on is that soon we'll be using AI for a lot of things in development uh, and it, it's it's actually kind of dystopian. And they were all for this. They were all about this. There was one person I was talking to who was uh, saying, basically, he's going all in on learning how to prompt. And so you might have heard over the past couple of years when, like, you know, you would especially see it toward journalists of, like, journalists were laid off, like, local newspapers going away. And so everybody would say, well, just learn to code. Learn to code, right? The term you're going to hear over the next year or two is learn to prompt. So prompt is what you tell the AI. And there are people that are basically all they're doing all day is figuring out how to prompt the AI to do things. Well, you can't, you, you actually have to give it very, it's kind of like programming, but instead you're using a natural English language to tell the AI exactly what you want them to do. And they are trying to use these services so they could, so if, like, so let's say a company needs a new logo, they, they these people's hope is that the company will come to them to prompt the AI to generate them more logos instead of hiring an artist. Because they were talking about this, I'm like, or they could just hire an artist. And they said, well, that, yes, if they want to go old school, but now the prompt artists are the art. So if you want a new logo, instead of finding somebody that does pen and paper or, or drawing or using any of that, you need to find somebody who knows how to tell the AI what you want. And uh, Tiger Claw says the prompts have to be very specific, which is why these people, they're trying to refine exactly how to prompt. And they're, they're saying that the artists of the future should learn how to prompt an AI instead of learning how to mix colors on their own and, you know, do all that kind of stuff because the AI already knows that and you need to now pivot and tell the AI what to do. We see this in software as well. Uh, there was one person also there that basically talked about how uh, on, on their website, uh, or they, they had something in the carousel on the website, which is the thing that rotates images on a web page. It was broken. So they went to ChatGPT chat gpt fixed the bug and then they said show your work essentially i mean they, they used more words than that 
And it basically spit out an entire documentation, read me, annotated with line stuff. And they're like, they just copy pasted that right into the release notes, sent it out as a patch. Boom. Done. It only took them an hour when it when if it was a human developer going through and having to write all that stuff, it might have been taken a couple days. And they said, this is the future. And we're going to see a lot of more of the menial tasks of software development and art go to computers, uh, go to the AI. And this is happening extremely rapidly. Uh, people hadn't even heard of the chat GPT stuff until about three months ago. And already we're seeing this. And what they're saying is this is like woodcutters in the past. And they'll adapt. Or they'll just be less woodcutters. Woodcutters will now have to do something else. Because woodcutters did a lot until the, uh, until the introduction of the CNC machine. Now, most wood furniture that you have was not cut by a human woodcutter. It was cut by a machine. But human woodcutters do still exist. They exist in smaller numbers. They do niche things. They're mostly on Etsy. Uh, and that's when you want to have a special human touch. But it takes longer. It's more expensive. When you could just have a, a machine build it, they do it faster, uh, more to spec. There's less problems. There's less errors, less human error. Uh, and it's cheaper. And they're saying that's going to be the same thing. Software developers, you're going ha- to need less software developers. And now the way they phrase it is everybody can be an entrepreneur. Anybody can now develop an app. Because you don't need to know how to program. You just need to know how to prompt the AI to write you the program for your app. You don't need to hire software engineers. You don't need to hire artists. You don't need to hire any of that stuff. You can just prompt the AI to build it for you. And you, too, can be an entrepreneur. Questbuster says, in a tangent to this, uh, one current winner is NVIDIA. Their stock price bolted nearly 40% in the past 30 days, though still below 30% below their highs. Over the current AI frenzy, NVIDIA has been working on AI-related chips and end solutions, such as self-driving for years. In fact, if you go to NVIDIA's website, I'm going to do this right now, because this is great radio. NVIDIA's website, the title of NVIDIA, they are no longer... They are no longer a graphics. They don't talk themselves about a graphics card. The actual title of their website is the world leader in artificial intelligence computing. They have completely dropped the graphics. They are now all in on AI. In in fact, even the first thing, explore breakthroughs in AI accelerated computing and beyond. Even NVIDIA. Is like no, we're not we're not in GPUs. We're, GPUs is not our main focus. AI is their, our main focus now. S. Sharon Matt says I have done some work on AI promptings. Part of it involved me trying to break the AI with giving it multiple variation types of prompts so the team can fix it. Yes, you have to be very specific with your prompts to the system because at least in this one, some AI has a hard time understanding certain nuance. Yes, and that is why there are people. They are basically making their. Uh, They're basically making their career learning how to prompt the AI. Um, And somebody did mention, uh, now, obviously, it's not here yet. But somebody did mention, and and, uh, I've I've been watching this uh, some. There is a Twitch channel that is currently using AI. And this Twitch channel, what they did is they're using AI uh, to uh, be weird. 
What they did is they took all the scripts from Seinfeld and other 90s era comedies, and they built something in Unity that uh, that basically took these scripts that the AI took, uh, the, the, the scripts that these this AI made, and axed them out. And it is called Watch Me Forever. And it is... Uh, it's on Twitch, it's called, and it's Nothing Forever is the name of the, the show. And uh, and yes, and Dark Tia says it's Unity-driven. Yeah, one time they had to reboot when I was watching, and it showed the Made by Unity logo because they're using the free version of Unity. Uh, but they even have... Uh, so the, the, the AI is creating like one-minute, two-minute scripts, and the characters are acting it out. So the AI will even say when the laugh track happens, when the where the characters move, do they use the micro, uh, microwave or not, and stuff, and like when the beats come in, and they use text-to-speech to make it sound like, what, what are they doing now? And it does look like it's not actually like uh, playing any audio or something. So maybe it broke right now. I don't know. But yeah, so so that that is kind of the, the weird side of AI. Uh, but that is what we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, in the next couple months and in the next couple years. Uh, maybe I will be out of a job because they won't need me anymore. ZenMonkey11 says, I'm starting to see AI people showing up on the social media I use. The pics almost look real, but you can spot the facts still. Sometimes the clothes are too shiny or the face is too, way too smooth to be human. Uh, look at the hands. Um, right now, still today, in February 2023, uh, AI does not know how to do hands. Uh, they will put too few fingers, too many fingers. Uh, AI has not figured out hands yet. So, um, that's one of the telltale signs. But yeah, no, and somebody even said there's AI VTubers, uh, that react to chat and all that stuff. So you're going to, you're going to start seeing this a little bit more. Uh, and how is that going to go into games? Um, it might be better AI procedurally generated stuff. Um, there are people that are thinking that AI could make games based on books. So instead of waiting for actual game developers to make the, the book into a video game, the AI will just translate the book into a video game so you can play it. And there's stuff that, uh, that here uh, is, um, is going on. And uh, Fifth Dream says, yes, it did crash. Uh, so the, 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 and nobody's watching and the AI doesn't know it crashed, so they can't fix it yet. Anyway, people actually doing things and making music because yes, AI soon will be able to create songs in the style of the Beatles and record it and have it sound like a Beatles tune. Uh, the, fir uh, the Grammy Awards have awarded the first human for uh, video game music because we haven't gotten to the bots yet there. Destructoid reports that tonight is the biggest night in music. And for composer Stephanie Economau, it might be one of the biggest nights of her career. The seasoned musician was one of five people up for a Grammy this year for video game music. This is the first year the category has been part of a show and given out instrumental music as is to the gaming industry and how easy it is to access your favorite scores on Spotify and Apple Music. One would hope that it would be here for many years to come. The award for best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media, which is the award's official name, was handed out on the Grammys pre-show a couple hours ago going to Economal for her work on the score soundtrack for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok. And the guy actually given the award was like Assassin's Creed Valhalla or something. Or Yeah, he, he couldn't pronounce Valhalla. Um, so the other uh, uh, people nominated for this, if you uh, didn't know that this was actually a thing, uh, and it's not going to be on the main show, it was in the pre-show, so you're not going to see it on TV tonight. 
Uh, but Aliens Fireteam Elite, which was Austin Wintery. Austin Wintery did Journey and uh, you know, The Pathless and, and all these other, like, you know, all, you know very serene uh, game, games. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok, which won. Call of Duty Vanguard by Bear McCreary. Now, Bear McCreary, uh, the main thing I know, I think he worked on God of War as well, but I, I remember him from the Battle, Battlestar Galactica remake. He did all the music for the Battlestar Galactica reboot that was in the 2000s on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, Marvel's Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy, which was by Richard Jacques. Now, Richard Jacques worked for Sega for a long time, so he did like some of the Jet Grind radio stuff, a lot of Sonic stuff, uh, so he's, he's big in the Sega stuff. Uh, and Old World, which was by Christopher Tin, who did uh, Baba Yetu from Civilization Four. He was actually the first video game composer to win a Grammy for a song made in a video game, but it was in a different category after he had released it himself. So, um, Fifth Dream says, uh, I think Byron McCreary also did Walking Dead as well. So, um, and D5T says, Uematsu would have clean, cleaned the Grammys in later two, 90s, early 2000s, probably. Uh, but we will never know, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so congratulations to all of them. Uh, thank you to the Grammys for finally recognizing games. There was a wonderful, uh, segment on CBS this morning, which is the name of the show, uh, or uh, about how video games are no longer bleeps and bloops. Yeah. Are, are we tired of that narrative yet? Uh, video games are no longer bleeps and bloops and here's Super Mario Brothers and here's do, 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 do. And then talking about how, you know, now they're. You know, people actually listen to the soundtrack after playing the game, and this is an amazing thing, and blah, 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 blah. So, um, but it was a good segment. It, it was a good segment. Uh, so congratulations, Stephanie, for that. Uh, and then the last thing I'll talk about, as uh, E3, the consumer-focused E3 now, with a couple days that are industry only, um, IGN reported earlier this week that uh, E3's first physical event in four years was supposed to be a triumphant return for the trade show, an opportunity to recapture some of the excitement of past conventions, which historically have been major showcase events for the gaming industry. However, it appears that when E3 2023 hits the Los Angeles Convention Center in June, it will be without three of its most important draws. IGN has heard from mo multiple knowledgeable sources that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo will not be part of E3 2023 or have a presence at the Los Angeles Convention Center show floor. Uh, this information comes on the heels of Xbox announcement last week. They'll be returning to Los Angeles for an annual summer showcase while declining to confirm whether it would be part of the show itself. I believe because right after this report came out, Jeff Keighley posted about the Summer Games Fest happening in Los Angeles a week earlier, and Xbox is going to be there. Speaking with IGN last week, Xbox CEO Phil Spencer said that the platform holder is timing its showcase with E3 at a moment convenient for press and even consumers at the event, meaning it's likely to roughly align with the event itself. Spencer also stressed Xbox public support for E3 and the Entertainment Software Association. However, IGN understands that Xbox will not have a booth on the show floor. Nintendo has also traditionally maintained a booth at E3 show floor, even after pioneering the direct format. However, IGN has heard from sources around the industry that neither Nintendo nor Sony will be at E3 2023, with PlayStation initially dropping out in 2019 over reported disagreements with the ESA. Um, so uh, the ESA pop, uh, partnered with ReadPop this past year to revive E3. ReadPop does uh, packs and uh, comic cons and other things like that. 
Uh, IGN understands that Nintendo and Xbox were initially interested in having a presence at the event, but that both had to pull out for reasons unrelated to the show itself. Video Games Chronicle has since reported that Nintendo opted not to take part in the event due to a light second-half release schedule not justifying the event space, information that IGN can corroborate. So essentially, Nintendo is not going to be at E3 because their biggest game of the year comes out on the anniversary of my 29th birthday, which is before E3. So if you were looking for a juggernaut second-half release for Nintendo, you're probably not going to get it because if they were going to have something that was big, they would probably have sprung for E3. But since Tears of the Kingdom is coming out in May, there's no need for them to be at E3 because they don't have anything to show. It's going to be very interesting to see how the public takes to this consumer-led E3 because this is going to be a very different show. Read Pop still calls it a trade show. They do say it's an industry trade show. And the, the point of E3 was... The, the best part of E3 was for the industry to get together to talk to each other, which is not what consumers want to hear. Consumers see the consumers like there's no point to have E3. We have directs now. Well, the point of E3 wasn't to talk to consumers until the consumers barged in and until the media made it a huge spectacle that it, they did in the mid 2000s. Um, it, it was supposed to be an industry trade show where the business industry got together to do business. And it is a lot easier to do that in person than it is over Discord and Zoom or Teams or whatever Metaverse XR alternative. It's still so much easier right now to do that in person um, because you can be bribed easier with free swag and free booze and stuff. And you can't be bribed with free booze over Zoom. I'm sorry. That's what I miss about E3, and I don't think ReadPop's going to bring that back. And so if you're wondering what's the point of E3, if everybody can speak directly to the consumer, it's because E3 wasn't supposed to be for the consumer. It's just the consumer barged in and made it all about them. And so ESA and ReadPop are like, okay, fine, it's about you now. And the industry's like, well, we're not interested. We we can do what, If we want to talk to the consumers, we can talk to consumers on our own time. We don't need to come to your show to talk to them. We came to your show to talk to the rest of the industry. And if that's not going to be the case, then we don't need to go. As Sharon and Matt said, uh, a lot of the games uh, were worked on with all intents and purposes. E3 was dead. Had E3 built into the timeline when the game was being made, maybe it, they would have been there. Uh, and Tackle says, E3 is dead. When the big three decided uh, to skip it entirely to do their own thing, you know that E3 is no longer relevant. Questbuster says, E3 was really exciting back when all the news was concentrated in that event, but now with news releases and social media spread out, with each company doing their thing well. And that's that is that exactly is what I'm talking about is that wasn't the really good part of E3. If you didn't go to E3, if you weren't in the industry, yeah, that's all E3 was. But E3 was that one place where the industry got together and talked to each other. Not to you, the consumer, but talked to each other. So, yeah, obviously E3 is no longer relevant to the consumer, which is great. Stop, let's have E3 stop being relevant to the consumer and have it be for the industry. Have it be for the industry to talk amongst each other in person, show off their stuff to each other, get deals done with each other, work together as an industry. Great. If it's no longer relevant to the consumer, great. Tr don't try to make it relevant to the consumer anymore. And Rob Roberts says, this isn't about E3 no longer being relevant. It's about the ESA no longer being relevant. If this news is true about Jeff getting Xbox on board for a Summer Game Fest show, then Jeff Keighley has succeeded where the uh, ESA can't. 
Uh, Questor says, I remember in early E3, so many people in suits were walking around because it was so business-oriented. The only ones dressed casual were the devs on the floor. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was, because the, the original point of E3 in 1995, when it started, was to get the retailers visibility into what games were coming out and it was basically the industry the companies trying to convince retailers to give them shelf space because shelf space was a limited commodity in 1995 and that's what all these trade shows were about it was to convince the retailers uh at at kind of the high level to allocate shelf space and allocate deals for them and so they had to show you the game and they would show the game to them and the press would be there as well and be reporting on it uh, but they would be showing the retailers the game to say, hey, this is why you should give us shelf space. This is why this nut game is going to move units on your store. Now, obviously, that's not as big of a deal now because of digital storefronts and, you know, who cares? But that's what it was originally for. And that's why you would have people in suits at E3 because they were the purchasers. They were the head of the purchasing department at whatever retailer that w- or distributor. And they were going around finding out what they should be buying. And that's what E3 was about. Um, So it's obviously morphed into that. And I guess the ESA is trying to go with the times, but now they're learning that the industry doesn't want to have spend all that money to talk to consumers. All that money was spent to impress the industry. And if the industry is not going to be there, then why spend that money? Especially when we're in an economic downturn and there's uh, there, there's uh, threats of a recession out there that may or may not happen. So they're just being fiscally sound so they don't have to lay people off. Wouldn't that be nice? So uh, we are going to take a quick music break, and then we will come back. And uh, you can call in. Uh, maybe on our Discord uh, Discord server there is a Green Room Voice Chat channel. We might have time to take a call or two. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. <laughs> It's me, Mario. Not really. Obi-Wan Jabroni instead. You're listening to the Bobby Blackwell Show on Vognetwork.com. Sorry for the terrible impression, by the way, Charles Martinet. I tried. I tried. But you know who does a good impression of Mario? Other than Obi-Wan Jabroni and Charles Martinet, it's Pedro Pascal. And uh, if you know, you know that uh, that, uh, Pedro Pascal, he is... Um, a Mario. And uh, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was fantastic. And uh, I, I am glad I didn't know what I was getting into when I put, clicked on that link. Uh, and, uh, but it was fantastic. And um, there, there was some uh, Luigi time. There was some, some Toads. And, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, all you got to do is contact me. I just need an MP3 of just your voice audio file or a video file of just your voice. I will choose which DMCA violation I will put behind it. Uh, Something about coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show. And you do not have to be a Mario or a Luigi or uh, anything else uh, to be able to do that. So um, we'd like to. So I'd love to play some newer stuff, uh, especially because like some of the bumpers now it's kind of interesting. Some of the bumpers I've got now. Like, there's one bumper I have from somebody who has, like, completely changed her online presence name. Like, so she's no longer goes by that name. She's no longer on that podcast. And it's like, uh, it's kind of hard to play that bumper when 
they they've just totally changed their branding and everything. Um so yeah, so uh uh, and I also want to say that uh, D5T just posted on our Discord server uh, over there that uh, while we're on the topic of video game music, this uh, EP arrived today. So congratulations for for this. Uh, vinyl is making a huge comeback, uh, and and it's been great to see. So yes, so uh, he got he got the Distant World two, uh, Distant Worlds two, the music from Final Fantasy. Distant Worlds being their orchestral uh, live orchestral performance of uh, Square Enix music. Um, so uh, I even have another vinyl coming uh, because I was uh, looking up when Google Stadia went away. I went and played Murder by Numbers, which is the Picross uh, game. Uh, it, it was a Picross visual novel, Ace Attorney style mystery type thing uh, done with, with music done by the person who does uh, the, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney music and stuff. Uh, they went on their next game was this game, a little game called Fall Guys was the same development team. Um, and uh, I was looking up and I'm like that soundtrack, which actually like it was a, I really enjoyed the soundtrack uh, to it. Uh, it they, they released it on vinyl. And so it, it probably gets here Monday, my vinyl of Murder by Numbers on, on vinyl. And I think they only have like 10 copies left of it over at the Materia store, which is where I got it. So, uh, so Yeah. So uh, we do not have anybody in the green room uh, tonight, but because uh, normally we don't, it's it's I I don't always leave enough time at the end of the show to have people call in. Uh, as Sharon and Matt does say, uh, wish, wish I had kept one of my turntables for my DJ days. Now that I've gotten rid of my vinyls, it's back again. Um, I, I'm actually I'm thankful I didn't get rid of any of my vinyls. I finally found all my old vinyls as a kid, uh, and also I've inherited an entire collection of country vinyls from 50s 60s 70s so we're kind of going through all those uh but uh yeah no i've had to get new turntables and and new 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 record players because like when the needle breaks on those old ones you can't get replacements anymore so i've had to i basically have gotten like a modern uh i think it's audio technica turntable uh that way i can get replacement cartridges pretty easily because they still make them because they still make that vinyl player so Coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer uh, th- than I do. And uh, we like to check in with them and see uh, what's going on over on their end of the world. Uh, so, Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? Uh, I I am doing well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're, I was just reminiscing, talking about some of my vinyl. Have you gotten back and gotten into the vinyl craze yet? Or is that something that you've just like, I don't need that. I got Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. No, not to date myself too much. But when I was younger, obviously, there were, still were vinyls. I remember yep. having a record player as a kid that would play, uh, you know, like, not like audiobooks basically for kids but on records mm-hmm. um but in my adult years no i i, I kind of skipped that i remember there was a time when loki and i lived together that he was into vinyl and getting back into that but mm-hmm. i have like two abba albums on vinyl just for the uh for the large sleeves you yeah. know the vinyls come in mm-hmm. but that's that's about it which i suppose okay. is what most people collect vinyl for is yeah. that built-in artwork yeah and and you know i, I even started buying vinyl uh, like more recently for like if there was like a, an album I actually wanted because a lot of vinyl, they'll come out on vinyl and then also give you a download code uh, mm. for the MP3s. And so I thought that was that was great because like no, nobody wants CDs anymore. But like we'll have, vinyl is a good way of having the physical media, 
but now with like Spotify and Apple Music now or in in Tidal and all these other places that have the music, you don't even need to buy albums that much anymore. No, because um, because it's all there until they decide to pull their st- catalog off of Spotify, and then you're going to be like, oh, now what? But but well, I, I never put it on there in the first place. As there's, I think there's still a few holdouts, but not a yeah. lot anymore yeah Uh, but but what's interesting is how much the video game music industry has picked up because they they've been able to do these custom vinyls and so a lot of the video game soundtracks won't even on be on black vinyl like they will have like special colors or you know a starburst pattern or something and people have been buying it like i'm part of the problem that murder by numbers soundtrack (laughs) which is like no it's seriously it's like it's two vinyls it was 50 bucks and like, how how else are they going to get you to buy, pay fifty bucks for a video game soundtrack? Well, you put it on purple vinyl, and mm-hmm. you make it in very limited quantities. And so, you know, I between between that and me pre ordering the one hundred dollar version of Theatre Rhythm, I am the problem in twenty twenty three. But you really like that game, you know, yeah. and it's something it's something extra special above and beyond for people that really like that game, and that's what those things you know should be. So, mm-hmm. it are you part of the problem? I guess, but. I don't know. I don't know if it's such a problem. Yeah, and at least the, the soundtrack is being put out like by the artist, and yeah. so and so it, it's really going more money to the the artist and the composer that put it, and you know a little bit to the game studio as well. But a lot of the soundtracks are released yeah. by the artists themselves. Who doesn't make nearly as much money on Spotify as they probably did yes. back in the era of CDs? So right. it works out. Yeah, and since they can't tour. You know, you because they get a lot on the merch sales when they tour. Like that's that's a yeah. lot of people. That's if they're if especially if they tour, it's the merch sales that makes them the money, not the buying of the CD or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, although it is good to know if you if you don't have vinyl, uh, one fr- I think the first Friday of every month is Bandcamp Friday, and what that Bandcamp Friday Bandcamp does not take a cut of anything you buy on Bandcamp. Oh, interesting. So hmm. uh, the first of every month, I, I believe, and they've it's been like this for a bit. And so if you have like a, a soundtrack, maybe, and you want to support the artist and you can go on Bandcamp uh, and buy it on Bandcamp, if you buy it on the first Friday of the month, then the artist gets more money. So I, I learned something today. Pro tip. <laughs> and that's the digital version. Okay. And sometimes people will even sell like the vinyls on their Bandcamp site and they'll get vinyls mm. made and be able to you. So you can still buy physical versions they'll do cds signed cds and stuff if you're into that to have a collectible like that so so uh dark to says maybe i'm the outlier again because i've been wanting to collect game soundtrack cds lately so funny story about that because i've been going through and i'm trying to like clean up boxes and stuff so i can you know get part of my house back i went through all my cds I found all of my CDs, uh, the, uh, video game soundtrack CDs that I had bought back nice. when I was, I was the music director for an internet radio station that played game music. So I would try to get all this these game soundtracks. I even found some that were unopened. Oh wow! Because when because uh, Media Play, which was a place we had down here, um, they actually sold video game CD soundtracks because this was around the time of the Xbox 360. And so mm-hmm. they were pushing uh, a lot of the Xbox 360 soundtracks like Cameo and Perfect Dark Zero and things like that. And when they were going out of business, I actually just wound up buying all of because the, they were selling them on clearance. I bought all of them. So even though I already had the Cameo soundtrack, I have another copy just sealed. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I may you know want to give these away and stuff like that. Um, so I found all that stuff and like all of the promo, which is where I found this Theatrhythm one. And I found like all these promo soundtracks that I had grabbed 
and stuff. And I'm like, so now what I'm going to do with it? Because uh, and I've even found some DER stuff. I'm actually I'm actually going to I'm, I'm looking over to my right to see. I think that I can grab some of these. Hang on. Yeah, I had some DDR stuff collected somewhere too, just from various, you know, hookups. A- NBA of the lifestyle. Uh, let's see here. The commemorative Xbox 3D uh, 360 CD featuring complimentary music and videos from the 2K Sports Xbox 360 titles. Uh, what was this? Oh, Radiant Historia. So I got some of the stuff from Radiant Historia, and that's just what I was able to grab here. But yeah, so I've got like a bunch of these, and I'm like, so now what I'm going to do with these? Hang on to them. Yeah, I'm going to hang on to them for now. I've got a little case that's just video game soundtracks. And, and I have some of the, like, the Japanese import stuff that are like the two CDs, uh, some of which hasn't even been opened yet. Like, I think this one. Uh, vi- you know what? Vinyls are all the rage again. In 20 years, CDs will be all the rage again. Yep. People will be collecting them for some reason. So, Yep. Final Fantasy. This is actually an unopened Final Fantasy VI uh, CD set. Wow. Three CDs. Because I had already gotten it over the internet so i'm like but i have the cd now but it's it's sealed it's completely sealed and stuff so uh so yeah uh red entertainment said uh remember record stores record stores still exist they're just all independently owned now uh we actually have some here around here that are like independent record stores that really specialize in new and used vinyl especially because vinyl's now making a comeback Hmm. because record store day is a thing uh, yes, it is. And and they even sometimes have tried to sell video game soundtracks. I've never been able to get them, but they've been trying to sell them. So, Tyclaw says, I hope those CDs still function because there's this thing called disc rot, which will render CDs unplayable. So, I also went through some of my other CDs here. Uh, it's Disc rot is more of an issue with your burned CDs because they're not etched as deeply into the disc. They're, they're not really as etched, whereas CDs are still etched into the disc. Uh, in in kind of a different way, so my I found the first CDs I ever bought before I was twenty nine years old. It was over twenty nine years ago. Uh, it was in the late eighties, and I had not ripped them yet, and they are now ripped to my 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 hard drive. So they were able to still be read just fine, even though they are from the eighties. So you're not going to find as much disc rod, especially if you've kept them in a good place if you've kept them in like your attic or something yeah something's going to happen to them but but cds but printed cds that are actual like professional cds you're not going to find as much disc rot on those especially those cds that you burned at 64 speed or whatever like there's yeah. there's a price for being able to burn things that fast yeah uh michigan says funny things i never heard of for a record record to be called vinyl until recently i had to ask my aunt what they were and i felt like oh duh and the reason they're called vinyl is because that's the material that it was on. Now, the first records, and I learned this, too, because I learned, I found some of these. The first records back in, like, the 30s and the 40s were not made on vinyl. They were not pressed to vinyl. They were pressed on what's called shellac, S-H-E-L-L-A-C. These were very hard, and so they could shatter. And, in fact, some of the shellac records I found did shatter. They were actually cracked and shattered, and I actually found the little pieces. Uh, but but and they play on current uh current record players that's what the 78 speed is if you have a turntable and you're like i never used 78 well that's what it was for but they stopped using those because there's something else that shellac is used for ammunition and explosives so around world war ii there were actually um prop uh there were actually movements that the military the u.s military was saying 
give us your shellac records because they then turned it into ammunition. Hmm. And so there was an entire buyback program of people's records and because they were going to use it to make explosives. Uh, and then they switched to using vinyl, which was not as easy to crack. Uh, and that's that's why they're actually called vinyl records, because there actually were shellac records before. And I actually have some. They sound like crap on modern machines, but I still have some of them. Until there's a hot boot shortage. Yeah. For boots, you know. Yeah. So uh, so video games. Yeah. Uh, what else are you what are you going to be talking about video game wise tonight? Um, well, since you brought up the Xbox 360, there's been some interesting, um, I, I don't even want to say rumors because we, we do know some things are being de- delisted from Xbox 360, but then I guess there was a misprint, or at least Microsoft's claiming it is, uh, that led to a whole lot of confusion. So we'll kind of get into that. But uh, I, I think it's a good idea. If there's anything you really want on Xbox 360, you might want to think about making your plan to get those things purchased, assuming they're not available on the Xbox One or the Xbox Series X stores, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of backwards compatibility, but just just food for thought there. Uh, also, we will talk a little bit about uh, Discord access finally coming to the PlayStation 5 in the latest beta. So we'll talk about all that and a lot more up next on OLR. All right. Orange Lounge Radio is up next, uh, and I will not be here next week, but you will be here next week, correct? We will be here next week. We will not be here on February 26th. All right. So uh, I will see everybody in two weeks, and you will see Rob next week. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, not next Sunday night. I'm I'm already forgetting. I'm just going on memory. Uh, in two weeks, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Sunday night here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Uh, I think Jaskrin in chat said that he'd never heard this story. I'm trying to do like a very quick Google search for like the propaganda poster. Uh, and I'm trying to see if I can figure out like because I've seen this where there was like a whole like movement to uh, to send them back. And I'm trying to figure out like where if I could find it real quick. And I don't think I can. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it in like two seconds, unfortunately. But yeah, so there's there's actually stuff about the, the, the whole shellac record thing. So I was like looking it up when I'm like, what are these hard records that I'm getting from my parents' estate? All right. So two weeks, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch on twitch.tv slash vlog network. I hope to see you and uh, interact with the show directly. Uh, so uh, I am on social media. MSTDN.games is my federated server on Mastodon. Uh, I'm also on all the other social medias at Bobby Blackwolf is where you can find me there. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. Uh, but I do want to thank everybody for being here uh, and, and participating with the show here on this Sunday night. And I will see you in two weeks. I'm going to go ahead and hit this button so I don't keep looking for proof of what I was saying, even though it's totally out there. I just can't find it and talk at the same time. Anyway, see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.